As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner. This is Tuesday night. And last night, we began commenting about Halloween. Tonight again, it's me, Denise, and Maxime. Hey guys, welcome to Home Group. Thank you, Rick, and welcome, Home Group. Are you enjoying these programs, these home groups? And by the way, we are so glad that you Given us this privilege of being with you right now. Thank isn't, you. Isn't that an honor, Denise, that it people is, would let us it's a huge honor. be with them and that they would be with us? And, and that it's they not just us, it's time. us all together. They take their time to be with us. Well, it's really precious to us, and we pray that it's precious to you. And thank you for your comments. I read all your comments when I got up this morning. Thank you so much. And if you're a partner with us, we just want to thank you from with all of our heart for being a partner with us. Thank you. Amen. And Maxine, we're so glad you're here tonight. I'm learning a lot about Halloween. Yeah? Yes. I had no idea that people in churches in America did things that you're describing. You well, were describing. You know, last night, Denise and I were telling the story that when we first got married, we were single adult pastors in the big Baptist church. And that we had a big Halloween party, which was evangelism. Honey, that is hysterical it when really you think. It really is. I literally, guys... My mind was so unrenewed about spiritual warfare and how evil the devil was that I borrowed a real robe from a Satanist priest to wear to the party that night and a witch face. Denise dressed up like a horrible looking witch. It looked like our church had been invaded by hell, didn't it, Denise? And we were just having the time of our life in the fellowship hall Hundreds and hundreds of single adults, all dressed like ghosts and goblins and witches. And believing awful. we were bringing people to Jesus. <laughs> but we would never do that today because we know there's nothing funny about the devil. He is not worth celebrating. We saw that last night. And you know what? Last night I pointed out that the word kill in John 10.10 10 is the word thuo, which doesn't mean to kill. It means to sacrifice. And Maxime had a marvelous comment after last night's home group. Listen to this. Maxime, share that. Well, thank you for that revelation. When you said that the word kill in the Greek text is the word thuo, which is a religious term. It is 100% religious. Your religious term. It means that killing us or slaughtering us is devil's religion. And when he kills us, it's a religious act for, religious act for him. And I was thinking too, what, Den act. what Denise said at the end of last night's home group about abortion, ripping babies out of mother's wombs. It's really an act of worship for the devil. It's, a, it's, it's, it's his sacrifice. It's his religion. That was such a good point, Maxine. It is the devil's religion to kill. By the way, if you feel like you're under attack from the enemy in any way and you need somebody to pray with you, please call us, 1-800-742-5593 or send us an email, prayer at renner.org. And remember that right now you can go to our website, renner.org, and get the download called Trick or Treat, a Christian's response to Halloween. What should be the Christian response to Halloween? That's what we're talking about in the regular TV program this week and in home group. And it comes with a study guide. I'm telling you, this is an amazing series. Every Christian should hear this series. At least it will provoke you to think about what's right and wrong about certain holidays. And I want you to also order my book, which is called Dress to Kill. You don't have to take it anymore. You don't have to take a tax. Because you're dressed to kill a biblical approach to spiritual warfare and spiritual armor. 
And this book has pictures. Oh my goodness, the pictures are marvelous. You don't just read about the armor. You can see what the armor actually looked like. This is a book that you need to have in your spiritual library. Now, tonight in Home Group and in the regular program today, we're talking about how did early Christians respond to pagan celebrations. And in the stand-up to the regular program this week, guess where I am? I am seated on the ruins of the great temple of Artemis in Ephesus. And I told you last night at the end of last night's home group that Christians in the early world, in the early Roman world, felt like they were surrounded by Halloween 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year because they were a tiny light in a world filled with paganism. You say, what is paganism? Paganism, you might say, oh, that guy's a pagan. No, 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 no. You don't know what that means. A pagan means you believe in a sundry of deities, all kinds of spirits, spirit guides. Your life is filled with occultism and all kinds of cultic things. And the New Testament world was filled with it, literally filled with it. In fact, there was nothing else. When the gospel came, the world was in darkness. It was in darkness. And in my books on Revelation chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, I really cover a lot of this paganism in the early world. This is my book called No Room for Compromise. We have a limited number of these in our office. If you want to order one, you can go to renter.org to order it. But in this book, I'm telling you, this book is really worth the money because I really cover what the early Christians had to deal with and they made the decision that there was no room for compromise. And that is what Jesus told specifically the church in Pergamum. But honey, this book is amazing. The price that Christians paid because they refused to participate in pagan activities. In fact, in Pergamum, a man was killed for his faith whose name was Antipas. You know what that word Antipas means? It may not have been a real name. It might have been the name that the locals gave him. It's a compound of two words. The word anti means against. The word pas means everything. To the local pagans, it looked like he was just against everything. You know why? Because Christians would not go to the temples. Christians would not go to the games. Christians would not go to the theater. Christians refrained from the bathhouses. Because everywhere you went, there were pagan activities. Sacrifices to the gods. For example, in Pergamum. This is covered in this book. You go to Pergamum, and in Pergamum, there is the great theater. Oh, my goodness. Maxime, tell them about the theater in Pergamum. It's breathtaking. When you get there and you see it, it's hard to believe that it still exists. I mean, it is just... Breathtaking. In fact, it is the largest, steepest theater in the world. This is it. These are all our photos. Seated 10,000 spectators. And the spectators would seat here. And down below, there was a large terrace. Well, guess how all the shows began? This will show you how much paganism was a part of the first century. Well, normally when you go to the theater, what happens? The orchestra plays, the curtains open, and the show begins. Well, they didn't have a curtain. But on this end of the terrace was the Temple of Dionysus. Dionysus was a god of wine, revelry, orgies, and bestiality. 
the pagan priests would walk along the terrace in front of all the 10,000 spectators with a beast, usually an ox. They would pour wine on it and corn on it and dance around it and flirt with it. And then they would walk up the steps into the temple of Dionysus where they would commit sexual acts with an animal. Then they would slaughter the animal. And when the smoke went into the air, that's when they opened the curtain and it was time for the performance to begin. That's what every pagan went through when they went to the theater in Pergamum. That was just the theater. But in Pergamum, there were all kinds of temples. There was the great altar of Zeus. There was the temple of Trajan. There was the temple of Dionysus. There was the temple of Sybil. Ay, ay, ay. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. There were altars and idols at street corners, in your house, at your front door, at your back door. There were gods and spirits for everything. And I also cover it in my book called A Light in Darkness because the church of Ephesus and the church of Smyrna also were dealing with these issues. Now there was a group in Ephesus and in Pergamum called the Nicolaitans. And Jesus was quite upset with them and they're still Nicolaitans in the church today. And in both cases, Jesus said he was against them. He never said he hated them. But Jesus said he hated their deeds and he hated their teaching. And what was the teaching of the Nicolaitans? Well, Nicholas, the founder of this group, was a spiritual leader who really had a stomach for everything. He was able to tolerate paganism, Christianity, mingle it all together. The same thing was going on in the church of Thyatira. A woman named Jezebel who was telling God's people it's okay to worship God and to sacrifice to idols at the same time. And the idea was, why be so strict? Come on, come on, come on. We live in a world filled with this. We cannot avoid this. It's here, it's there, it's all around us. So rather than appear that we are antisocial, rather than appear that we are just obstinate and difficult to get along with and Pagans don't understand us because we're so separate from them. Let's find a way to appreciate their forms of worship. What does it hurt to go into their temples once in a while? What does it hurt to go in and burn a little incense to their gods? If it makes them accept us and have a more open mind to us, let's be more accommodating of these pagan activities. And I'm telling you, this pulls the plug on the power of God. It brings pollution into the house of God. I'm going to show that in the Bible right now. And that's why Jesus said he was against the Nicolaitans. He hated their teaching. He hated their deeds because it brings corruption to the people of God. And the early church was viewed as being antisocial because they would not participate. And really, the greatest reason for persecution of the early church, it wasn't because they called Jesus Lord, it's because they refused to participate in society. They backed out. And you know, Denise, things are getting so dark in the world today that Christians may have to make a decision to back out of some things. Even at the risk of being called antisocial, we need to be reminded that God calls us to be holy and to be separate. We're not supposed to be like the world. Amen? So how did the early Christians respond to all the paganism around them? Well, I'm going to show you. Go to 1 John 5.21. 1 John 5.21, 21, 
John is writing to the believers, really in Ephesus and in Asia. Today's regular TV program began with me sitting on the ruins of the Temple of Artemis. John saw that temple. In fact, he lived in a house just above it on the hill behind it. And John said to the believers, little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. He ends with the word amen. The word keep is a Greek word philoso. Listen to this. Save yourself, protect yourself, preserve yourself, or guard yourself. That's what it literally means. It pictures a military guard, the uninterrupted vigilance that shepherds showed in keeping their flocks. Very vigilant. It was used to depict a military guard who exercised unbroken vigilance to guard, protect, secure, shield, or watch over in order to protect one from some outside foul force. We're talking about an undeterred vigilance that I'm not going to let evil touch my life. In fact, the Bible says, keep yourself from idols. The word from here is a form of the Greek word apo, which implies intentional distance. Put space between yourself and idols. Now, Denise, most people don't have a clue about idolatry because we don't live in a world of idolatry. They say, well, but people worship their house, they worship their heart. Yes, they do. That's a form of idolatry. That's not the idolatry that John's talking about. He's talking about the worship of idols. And when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 14, go there. The Apostle Paul had a lot to say about staying away from idols, and I'm going to show you why. He says, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Whatever this idolatry was, it was so wretched, Christians were to flee from it. Flee. The word flee, the Greek word fiego, which means to flee, to take flight, to run away from, to run hastily, to run as fast as possible, to escape. It pictures one's feet flying as he runs from a situation. Paul doesn't say stay there and accommodate it, develop a tolerance for it. He says, move your feet, get out of there. Don't even go near it. This was the New Testament attitude toward paganism, pagan places, and pagan celebrations. Then when you come to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 19 to 20, listen to what it says. What say I then? That the idol is anything? Or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? Paul's basically saying, yes, 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 we all know the statue of the idol is just something made out of stone. We know that. There's nothing about the stone statue. But what happens in the environment is spiritual because demons are in the environment. And if you go there, you're going to be around demons. So he says, what say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? Then he clarifies, but I say that the things which the Gentiles or the pagans sacrifice, they sacrifice to what? Devils, and not to God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. And just to make it clear, the word devils, the Greek word daimonion, is evil spirits. It's the word demons. It's demons. Now, 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and we can rejoice in that. And it's true. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, but use your head. Just because the greater one's in you doesn't mean it gives you the ability to flirt with evil. You need to stay away from evil. Is it better to walk on a safe path, or is it better to walk 
on the very edge of a dangerous cliff that is crumbling where you could easily fall. Use your head and get on the other path. Yes, greater is he that is in you, but God gave you a head. He gave you a sound mind. And God expects us to keep ourselves from bad environments. But hey, go back to 1 Corinthians 10, 20, and let's look more at this. Paul says, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Mm. The words ye should is a translation of a form of the Greek word genomai. The word genomai describes something that develops or evolves over a period of time. It denotes something that comes into existence over the passage of time or even to transition from one thing to another thing. And here is what was happening. Some people were saying, oh, come on, don't be a killjoy. Your friends are going to the temple. What is the greater one lives in you? It doesn't hurt you to go into that temple. Well, the greater one lives in us. But the soul can be affected by bad environments. The soul, I mean the mind, the will, the emotions. And these Christians, first of all, were walking into temples carrying God in there with, with them. God didn't want to go into those pagan environments. And their minds were becoming affected by that negativism that they had been saved and delivered out of. Demons began harassing them mentally, oppressing them mentally. And Paul says, I don't want you to get on my over a period of time to become re-influenced by, that's really what it means, devils. And he uses the word fellowship. The word fellowship here is the word koinonas. It's a form of the Greek word koinos, which describes something that is common or mutually shared such as property that is jointly shared between two individuals. It could even describe two people that are married, a real relationship. But when it develops into the word koinonos, like in this verse, it specifically refers to the idea, listen to this, the ideas of engagement. So Paul's word could be translated, I don't want you to be engaged with devils. That is a fabulous translation. It carries the idea of involvement, so you could translate, I don't want you to progressively become involved with demon spirits. It can be translated as fellowship or participation. I don't want you to participate with demon spirits. Now, Paul knew it was just a place they did not need to be. They had all formerly been pagans. They'd been saved from that. They were called out of darkness into God's glorious light. They'd been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Why are they going back into the kingdom of darkness that they have been delivered from? Plus, in those temples, there were sexual activities. There were demonic activities. All the things that had ensnared them in the past. And now they're going back into those temples in order to accommodate their pagan friends and not to appear to be antisocial. And Paul says, hey guys, you're going to put yourself in a mess. If you keep going into those wrong places, it doesn't matter that the greater one lives in you. Your soul is going to get entangled. It's going to get engaged with demonic activity. Stay away. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's pretty strong, actually. Well, you know, Rick, our eyes and our ears are the gate to our soul. And, and I think about, like, movies or 
or even looking at same mag- principle magazine same principle it's it's that evil it might look at it as entertaining but then it's got adultery in it premarital sex in it all kinds of compromise that compromises your faith it's not what you believe it's not what you stand for it's what you're against and when we embrace that it, and read it and look at it it's going inside those gates those eyes and those ears and it has an effect and it's it's not a good effect it dulls our senses to hear the holy spirit and you know what denise people can talk themselves into compromise they can rationalize why it's okay to do things they shouldn't do and in the early church, a big rationale was the subject of meat. Mm. In fact, if you read 1 Corinthians, you really read a lot about meat. You also read about it in the book of Romans. And Paul says, do not eat meat sacrificed to idols. Well, why? Can meat become demon-possessed? No. Meat is just meat. That's all that it is. Then what was the big deal about eating meat that was sacrificed to the idols? You want to know? I'm going to tell you. Guess where the best meat was? It was in the temples. Because the people would bring their sacrifices, and when they brought their sacrifices to the pagan entities, pagan spirits, they brought the best. And the altar was in the front. Usually it was a little pedestal in the front of the temple. And they would slaughter it. And then the priests of that pagan god would take the meat that is slaughtered. They wouldn't throw it away. They'd take it into the temple, clean it up, And every temple had its own meat market. And so if you wanted to buy the best meat in town, that's where you went to buy the best meat because the best meat is what was offered in sacrifice. And so there were Christians going into the pagan temples not to worship the demons. They were going there to buy meat for their families. That was the best meat. But the problem is, while they were standing around the meat table, looking at all the meat, hovering around the meat, demonic activity is inside that temple and they can hear all the sounds and noise of all the sexual activities in the temple and all those images and sounds and the demonic influence begins to affect their soul. That's why Paul says, I don't want you to become re-engaged with demonic activity. So Paul's basic teaching is, hey guys, meat is not that important. Buy the meat somewhere else. Even if you don't buy the best meat, don't go into those temples to buy meat. Stay out of those temples. Christians were to draw a line. They just didn't go to those places. That's why they didn't go to the theater. It's why they didn't go to the stadium. It's why they learned to stay away from the bathhouses. Even just to go into the public market, you had to burn incense to the gods. I mean, Christians had to really learn how to live in that world and how to be God's separate people. But today we're living in a world of Christians where they're not living separate at all. Maxine? I was, I was just thinking about that revelation you shared about the name Antipas. Yeah. That's anti-pas, against everything. Against, that's what people thought it's about him. a great here. name. I want to be called that. I want to be against the evil things that happen in our society. I really cover that in this book called No Room for Compromise. They just thought, these Christians, they're against, what's wrong with these Christians? They won't go to the theater. They won't go to the show. They won't go to the bathhouse. What is wrong with these Christians? 
They're intolerant. They're intolerant. Haters. That Christ called them to be separate. They weren't haters. Mm -hmm. They were just wanting to walk in their freedom. They didn't want to be re-entangled. Mm -hmm. So we're Antipas. We're all Antipas. Well, we're supposed to be. So let's go back to 1 John 5, 21. Listen to this. Now, it's the last verse of 1 John, and it's a little tiny. But we're going to unpack this verse, and you're going to be amazed at the RIV because it's quite large. But remember, there's a lot in this verse. Little children, keep yourself from idols. That word keep is huge. It's funny that this verse is so little in English. That word keep is packed with meaning. The word from, remember what I said? The word apo, it implies intentional distance. The word amen at the end of that verse means so let it be. It is an emphasis marker used to emphasize a statement of great importance. And here's what I do with 1 John 5, 21. Here's the RIV. Are you ready for this? You're going to love this, guys. And when we come back to home group tomorrow night, I'm going to quote this verse again. Listen to this. Little children. Now, I'm carrying the Greek tense. I'm carrying everything into it. Little children. I immediately order you to withdraw from idols. Those idols and what they represent are so evil that you need to seriously guard yourself against them and stay away from them altogether. There you have the word philosopher and the word apple all used together. I'm leaving no wiggle room on this issue. That's how emphatic it is in the Greek. I'm absolutely and emphatically ordering you to immediately put as much space as possible between you and idols, there's the word apo. They are evil and represent a menace to your life, so you must urgently guard against them. There's the word philosophy. What I'm telling you right now is not open for debate and is not optional. It is an order that I expect you to obey. In fact, to underscore the seriousness of what I am telling you, I'm even adding an amen to stress the point. You are to explicitly obey my instructions on this issue and do it now. John was speaking particularly to the believers in Ephesus and Asia. Those cities were just loaded with dark paganism, and he's telling them to withdraw from all of it. That means back out even if you're accused of being a killjoy and being antisocial, it is the right thing for you to do. So, how did early Christians respond to pagan celebrations and pagan places? They didn't. They did not participate. They withdrew. And we've seen that the Nicolaitans, who did, Christians who did participate in dark deeds, pagan things, Christ was against them and hated their deeds and hated their teaching. He was against them. Jesus has no room for compromise. But when we come back tomorrow night, this leads us to the next question, which is, is Halloween something for you? What should you do with Halloween? It's going to be good. Hmm. But remember, if you need prayer, you can write us prayer at renner.org, or you can call us 1-800-742-5593. We'd love to pray with you, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.